I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Holy crap, Ian. I I cannot believe we've made it. This is like a legitimate regular season show. Like this is what we would do in the regular season because I I suppose it's the regular season. It's only been 84 years. I I love that joke. I like what here's what I like about that joke. I like that we were able to use it for a while and that now that it's the regular season, it's dead. Well, we plopped it out there and expected Ooh. it to perform. Ooh, that was well-timed, excellently positioned. I, I I did not see it coming. Kudos to you. The first regular season plopping, if you will. You might. I don't know. And so, the, thing that's, the, the thing that's irritating about it is the Broncos play the first preseason game, which is really a scrimmage, and then the last first regular season game. I mean, it, they couldn't have the widest that, – that, that is the widest possible stretch between the start of the preseason and the end of the preseason to get to the regular season for a team. It's, it, couldn't, it couldn't have taken any longer. Literally could not have taken any longer. That's how long it's taking because it as, can't take any longer. 
it's dragging into 85 years now. Yeah, we're it's it's December of the 84th year, and now we're getting into the 85th year. So that's okay because we're here now, and and we get to actually talk about some things that matter. We get to talk about actual uh, football games that are going to be played, and and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to finally be here. And it's officially Raider Hater Week. That's right, Raider Hater Week. It's this is a big week, actually. You know we. We have over the course of our tenure as podcasters, is that is, I don't even know if that's how we should say that. This has historically been like the, the most important game on the schedule as far as rivalries go. But I'm going to be honest with you, uh, this year for me, it does not feel as important as two of the other games on the schedule because my my feelings have shifted in the last, I don't know, two or three months regarding the Kansas City Chiefs and their fans and I am now I think Kansas City is now my most hated rival I, I I just think that's what's happened and I still hate the Raiders more because the fans the fans are who the fans are my hatred is for the organization itself and for Al Davis who I continue to hate and I hope he has ended up somewhere in between heaven and hell. We call and that I hope purgatory. Purgatory. Yeah. And I hope he's stuck. Oh, I know. In that I, stupid jumpsuit that he'd always wear. I, I have a feeling, and this is, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person, but if there is a, a hell, he's there. Uh, he's he's handing out drinks from. <laughs> that's that's my guess. Is he's he's in charge of the drinks. Uh, See, and, hell is too good for Al Davis. That's why he needs to be stuck in purgatory. Yeah, but I feel like if he's in hell, then he can be like a servant in hell, and it can be even extra hell. I don't know. That's it. I don't think it's there, so I don't. I don't know that it matters. You know where he is? Is he a servant for uh, Satan and Saddam Hussein? Yeah, like yeah. Go South Park on that. Totally, he is there. He's their slave, if you will. And I think that's probably where we should leave that. If you don't understand the reference, just Google it. Just just Google it. But um, not at work. Not don't not yeah, for work. Not, yeah, that's NSFW right there. Um, but let's go ahead and – it is Raider week, and I do hate the Raiders. I, that will never change. My hatred for the – it's like we're, you're splitting hairs at a certain point. Um, and so let's go ahead and get into Raider week. Let's start talking about what's coming up and what to expect and, and – how we as fans should feel about what's going to happen. And, and so let's do it. Let's just jump right in. So why don't we start with the keys to the game? Because I think my key to the game is going to determine how the whole game goes. And I want the offense to come out and punch the Raiders in the mouth by getting an opening drive touchdown. I want them to move the ball like they did in the first, and the two preseason games that they were actually in, the offense moved the ball. I want to see them do that again against the Raiders, but I want them to finish it with a touchdown. And then I want to see them when they get the ball back, I want to see them kick the Raiders in the nuts So by getting another touchdown. So you punch them in the mouth, and then you kick them in the nuts. That's what I want Joe Flacco and the Broncos offense to do. I want them to send a message, not only to the Raiders, but to the rest of the National Football League, that this offense is not what it's been the last three years. 
So come out the first two drives, get points on the board. Because you know what that does then? It fires up the defense. And then you're going to have Bradley Chubb and Von Miller coming after Derek Carr. And as you said on a previous podcast, Derek Carr is going to have nightmares of Von Miller and Chubb all over him. Which I, I think actually brings us to my key to the game. And it's not necessarily about Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and, and Derek Carr's Chubb nightmares, but uh, more so the turnovers, right? Vic Fangio, as a defensive coordinator, has always been one of those guys that uh, turns a defense into a, a better defense. And he's already got a good defense talent-wise. And so I'm, I'm hoping to see a better defense than what they were last year, and I thought they were good last year. But the key to the game, and I think the, it's a it's it's an old football cliche, and I, I, I'm fully aware of that. Uh, and it's not, but I don't think it's just about winning the turnover battle, because I think that that's sort of okay. You get you you force three turnovers, they force two, you won the turnover battle. I'm talking about bad turnovers. I want to see strip sacks. I want to see a rushed throw that turns into a, a, an interception, tipped passes. I, I think it, I think the, the key to the game for the Denver Broncos, something that will help the offense be successful, is the defense putting on the kind of pressure that allows for turnovers in, in you know, Raider territory that gets the Broncos close to the red zone so they don't have to play with that long field, so that they can uh, have a short field to score, and, and that, to me, is the key, is you get those turnovers and you create you create chaos using the defense that allows the offense to sort of relax and just do what they need to do to put points on the board. And and maybe, maybe some of those turnovers turn into defensive touchdowns, which would be another way to sort of fire up the offense and fire up the fans and, and really get things going. So I think the key that we're talking about here is complementary football. Oh, I like that. I, I, I want to see the offense come out and put consecutive touchdown drives together. You want to see the defense come out and set the tone by creating turnovers. They'll, they'll be able to create those turnovers if the offense is able to come out and put 14 points on the board on its first two drives. And I think I'm going to add another key to this, I want to see the special teams at least be adequate because over the course of the preseason, they were far from it. And I'm not I'm not going to get out of shape or worried about the special teams because I think we mentioned it on a previous podcast. One of the longtime uh, big-time commenters on Mile High Report is, is Shasta. And he was, the, he was the one who said, and I, I think it was Shasta. Who I think said, you're right. The special teams are always going to struggle over the course of the preseason because it's guys who aren't going to be on the roster anyway. So, of course, it's going to be an area where you're going to see some struggle. And I get that Vic Fangio has said that it's a big problem. That's why they added guys off of the waiver wire like they did. I think there was only two teams that picked up more waiver, guy, more waiver players to their roster, the Cardinals. And then I believe it was... Maybe it was the giant. I can't remember the other team. Mace had the tweet. And I think what that does is it shows you that the special teams has to get better. So the other team was Miami. So it was Arizona and Miami who were the only ones who picked up 
more waiver claims than the Broncos. And to give you an idea, Arizona and Miami had five, Denver, Jacksonville, and the Jets had four. Yeah, I, I mean, you go out and you make moves and, and things like that. And and we talked about on the last podcast, uh, River Craycraft not feeling very safe in his in his job. And, and what did John Elway do? Uh, he immediately went out and, and picked up somebody uh, to return punts and and you know that that sort of was that one was telegraphed from the start so we we knew that was going to happen as well but when we when we look back on on 2018 I think that complimentary football was something that we really got into as far as conversation goes because there was no complimentary football and I think a big part of that was the way that the coaching staff was never really on the same page. And you wrote about this over the summer, and we talked about it on the podcast, that complimentary football, to me, comes from familiarity. And the fact that Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel and and the coaching staff in general, they're, they're all sort of very familiar with one another. And Rich Scangarello and his system is very familiar to the system that was run uh, by K- Gary Kubiak in in Baltimore when Joe Flacco had his most successful career. And so when you start to sort of add all those those little things together, I think that you'll start to to create a picture of a team that is, if nothing else, they're on the same page. That is that, is that complimentary football. And I think the big hole is the special teams. But to me, that's like we've just said, that's one that sort of gets taken care of by virtue of putting better players in when the regular season starts. And the guy that Elway brought in as the new punt returner is Deontay Spencer, who was with, with, uh, was with the Steelers. And I, I tweeted this on Tuesday. He has the exact approach and mindset the Broncos need on special teams where he just wants to put the offense in good field position. And if he can score all the better, but I love that mindset and approach because it's it's just about doing your job. It's It goes back to what we've been saying about Vic Fangio a la Bill Belichick. Just do your job. And his job is to put the offense in a better position when he's done returning the punt. And I, I'm excited to see what Spencer can do because he's done it with the Steelers. Let's see what he can do in Denver. And then in terms of the coverage – now that you have all the guys on the field who are on your roster, let's see what they can do. And hopefully it's not as bad as it was in the preseason. I don't think it will be, but it, it all ties together. As you said, it's all complimentary football. You want to set the offense up with a good return. You want to set the defense up with strong field position so that the opposing offense doesn't have a short field. So that's where Cody Wadman is going to have to come in Kobe Wadman is going to have to come in and and as the preseason progressed he was he was much better. He was getting better hang time, he was getting better distance on his kicks. So that's going to be huge. So I guess both of our key is to just play complimentary football. They need to play good. That's what they need to do. They need to play good and if they play good they can win. I don't know that's maybe that's maybe that's not the right way to say that, but it's the truth. So um, score more points than the Raiders. Yeah, the key to the said. game. Yes, the key to the game is to score more points than your opponent, and then you will win. That's how this works. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, so for them to sort I, I guess with our keys to the game, you've got to have some players that do that. So you have to have players who are going to um, make things happen. Who are, who are your players to watch? Give me an offensive and defensive player to watch. I have two let's, offensive. Let's start with players. offense. We'll go with the offense first. On offense, I have two because I think they're connected. Garrett Bowles and Joe Flacco. If Garrett Bowles does his job, Joe Flacco is going to have a very strong game. If Garrett Bowles doesn't, it's going to be a long day or a long night at Oakland Alameda Coliseum for Joe Flacco. And they can I can I this is where I'm gonna add they need to stop playing football games on a baseball field. Well, they will as soon as they move to Las Vegas, but that's uh, you know, I mean the Los Angeles Chargers play football on a soccer field. <laughs> I would rather play on a soccer field than a baseball field. No, I agree. And and I think I think safety wise it's an issue as well because you have the different types of turf and not that guys are going to have too many problems running in dirt. It's not that big a deal, but it's just, it's sort of ridiculous. Like this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Build yourself a stadium so that you don't have to continue to do this. I agree. That's those are really good players to watch though. Um, for me on the offensive side of the football, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and say Philip Lindsay. And, and here's why I think the biggest concern I have with Philip Lindsay, and I know I just said concern here is that he had a huge breakout season in his rookie year. He was um, the best offensive player that the Broncos had in every single game, period. I don't think you can argue that. I think I am going to be correct 100% of the time. He was the best offense, except for when he was injured. So, you know, don't worry about that. I am concerned that there will be a certain amount of regression from him because he was a rookie, because he was out of nowhere, teams didn't game plan for him. I think eventually when they did start to game plan for him, he was able to be successful. But now you've got a full year of tape on him. You've got a full year of of what he looked like in a Denver Bronco uniform and how he performed against professional football players. And that, to me, is going to lend to him not necessarily running into walls, so to speak, but just the way that defenses are going to attack him, it's going to be different. And so I'm curious to see that. So that's why he's my player to watch because I'm almost curious to see, because we haven't seen it at all in the preseason, how does he adjust in year two? What are the things that he does to continue to be successful? How does the offense put him in position to be successful? And how does that help the Broncos win football games so there it's sort of like the reason he's the player to watch is because i'm just curious about what's going to happen with him in year two it's actually kind of creepy how in sync we are because if garrett bowles does his job that's probably going to help philip Lindsay too so it's like synchronized swimming without the swimming part yes that that is true because that would be that would be ugly if people watched us synchronized swim you, you don't want to see that I don't want to see it. You I don't want to see that it. image in my head. Yeah, sorry about that. Well, you, you got the little cap on, right? And the nose plug. Are you wearing the nose plug? I actually don't want to think about it. That's further down than I 
wanted to go with this. So let's we were pivot. swimming down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Let's pivot to defensive players to watch. And I'm torn by picking one because I think there's three guys who I really want to see because we really didn't see them in the preseason. And that's Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson, and Todd Davis. I want to see what Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson look like in this secondary, which I still think we need to get a new name for. And we've thrown out Mile High Hit Squad. We've thrown out Hit Squad. We've thrown out Mob Squad. How about for the entire defense? And this was brought up by a commenter on Sunday. How about we name the defense the Rat Pack? We could do that. You know what? I, I Here's my take on, on nicknames. Nicknames are earned, right? You don't just bestow a nickname on somebody. And so, you know, they were in the no-fly zone for a reason. There was, it was the Orange Crush for a reason. Uh, we, we sort of came up with the Orange Rush, and then it, it came to fruition, in my opinion. I think that Orange Rush is a really good nickname for the defensive front, especially Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. But I want to wait and see. I'm gonna before we jump in on a on a nickname, let's let's let them play a few games and see how the defense performs. And I think your players to watch are a really big part of that because if those guys are successful, you're looking at a hit squad. You're looking at a mob squad. You're looking at a, a group that could be considered uh, a scary, uh, dangerous. All of those, you know. Uh, wonderful descriptive words, adjectives, if you will, that that make everybody get a little nervous. In the meantime, I, I think that we can we can wait on that. But I'm going to add uh, one player to my players to watch, and it's a it's an easy one. Everybody's thinking it, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. And it's Von Miller. We haven't seen Von Miller in the preseason. We haven't had the opportunity to really see him be successful. Shelby Harris and Bradley Chubb had that awesome performance against San Francisco. Um, I think. Everybody kind of knows what they're going to get from Derek Wolf and Adam Gotsis. But the one guy who is supposed to be the stud on, on defense that really didn't show up in the preseason, and I don't care about preseason, and I think he doesn't either, is Von Miller. And I want to see him come out of the gates, right? This is Raider week. I want him to come out fired up. I want him to come out blowing guys up off the line. We've heard so many things about how strong he is because he added weight, about how quick he is, about how he added a new move or how he's doing this, he's doing that. And it's all hearsay at this point. We haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. I want to see him on the field. I want to watch him blow guys up. I want to watch him destroy an offense with his play. And I know that he can do that. You know that he can do that. I want to see it. And the reason I added Todd Davis is because he hasn't practiced for 84 years. That's because right. that's the last time he was able to get on the field when training camp started. And he, he it, it, by all accounts, he is going to go on Monday. I just want to see how effective he's going to be and how that calf injury is going to, if it's going to limit him, if it's not. Because the one thing I worry about with a calf injury, and this goes back to Kevin Durant when he was with the Golden State Warriors, when he came back too soon in the NBA Finals against the Toronto Raptors, he tore his Achilles. So hopefully, since he's been out for 84 years, that's going to limit any potential further injury to the Achilles or further injury to the calf. So I, I'm just curious how effective he's going to be 
because I think if he's good to go, I think he's one of those guys who can be a tone setter on this defense, especially in Vic Fangio's defense, because he finished with over 100 tackles last year. So I think if he's if he's able to stay healthy, he's going to have another 100 plus tackle season on his on it for his career, and it's just going to make the defense that much more potent if Todd Davis is able to go and be effective. Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh I think it's a really smart way to look at it. And um obviously as we sit here uh before the first game of the season, there is some trepidation knowing that this is a guy who he, he let's be honest here, he's probably really not in football shape either. So um how does he come out and perform and is he able to uh stay on the field for a significant amount of time? My guess is they'll ease him in, so to speak, but how long that will take, I don't know, and what what the process will be, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe he's just ready to go, and they're just holding him back just to be safe. But that's yeah, that's another really really good one. I like that. And that's actually what they've been doing with Ron Leary on my Broncos Blast segment that I've mentioned a couple of times that I do each Saturday on ESPN sixteen hundred in Denver. Another cheap plug, but I've mentioned that Ron Leary has been treated with even less than kids gloves over the course of training camp and the preseason. And he is good to go. I think you're going to see a fresh roaring to go Ronald Leary at right guard come Monday night. I think you're going to, I think it's going to be the best that he's looked since he's been in Denver, since he came over from the Cowboys. Well, that would be nice. I would enjoy that. That right side of the offensive line. I know everybody's worried about Garrett Bowles, uh, you got a you got a rookie in Dalton Reisner standing there next to him, uh, but that right side of the offensive line with with uh, with Leary and, and then uh, you know it just there, there's just so many injuries there, right? There's what the potential for injuries just has me freaking out a little bit. With the the offensive line is scary to me. Let's let's just say it. The offensive line is scary because you don't know what's going to happen. And Joe Flacco, while he's not. QB1, QB2, and QB3 anymore because they did uh, bring in a guy. Brandon Allen from the Los Angeles Rams. They brought in a guy who mm, I'm going to guess 90% of the fans that are listening to this had no idea who he was. Do you feel better? The reason they brought him in is because he was in Sean McVay's offense, which is very similar to Kyle Shanahan's offense, which makes it similar to Rich Scangarello's offense, which is also – a tree or a branch sure. of the Mike Shanahan offense. So it's all interconnected. Right. He knows the system. That's why he was brought in. Right. And I, I've thrown a football before and watched uh, Mike Shanahan coach football games. And so uh, I'm also a part of that tree. And so I could be brought in and be the, you, know, you get what I'm saying? Like all of those things are great. I ain't never heard of this guy. <laughs> that bothers me. I have this is going to go off on a weird tangent, and it's the first tangent that we've gone off in the regular season. You don't think the synchronized swimming thing was a tangent? Well, this is actually this is actually connected, though. Got it. So okay, that was just weird. <laughs> what do you think is the best sports job out there? Backup quarterback or bullpen catcher? That is a that is a great. That is a great question, and I have on many occasions said I would love to be a backup quarterback. However, and this is this is the caveat to that, in football, 
there is always a possibility that you're going to have to put on that helmet and put down that clipboard because somebody blew up your quarterback's knee. So for me, and also because I think I, I, I was a better baseball player than I ever was a football player, and I, I love being on a baseball field, it's bullpen catcher. It's bullpen catcher. You get to lead the charge when the relief pitchers come running out when somebody charges the mound. Uh, you, you essentially just get to sit in the outfield and watch a baseball game every day and then come like the fourth or fifth inning. You might have to catch a few pitches. You just That's, that's the life right there. You get to travel with the team, hang out in the bars at, at, after the games. Maybe you got to do some charting. I don't know, but that's that's the one. That's the one for me. You don't have to know as much as a bullpen catcher either. Like you just catch the ball. Whereas the you know you got to know how to do fake hand signals when you're the the, the backup quarterback because you're like yeah we're gonna run this play. I'm not doing anything. I'm just waving my arms around, but I gotta look like I know what I'm doing. And for me, it's bullpen catcher too, especially on a team for like the New York Yankees oh, absolutely. or the Los Angeles Dodgers because. Not only do you get paid to watch baseball, if the team wins, you get a World Series ring. That's right. Well, if the team wins a Super Bowl, you get a Super Bowl ring, I suppose. I mean, Brock Osweiler's got one. True, but he actually had to play. He I did. don't want to play. Yeah, no, I, well, I do want, I mean, in my heart of hearts, I do want to play. Like, I want to play. But if you have to pick between those two, like you either got to back up this guy or just just catch pitches in the bullpen. It's yeah, that's the one. That's the one right there. And if if you disagree, that's okay. You're wrong. It's fine. You can just you know just be wrong. It's cool. And that know. leads to some some statistics. Oh, good some stats. Quick hits stats from the Broncos weekly release. So I'll just go over those real quick. I, I think. You you think it's interesting? I think it's interesting. Yeah, a little I history. Yeah. Most of the most of the listeners, I know the readers, find it interesting. Denver will be appearing on Monday Night Football for an NFL record tying twenty eighth season. They have been on every season of Monday Night Football since nineteen ninety two. Wow. And it's the seventy fourth time overall that the Broncos have been on Monday Night Football. The Broncos have compiled a 39-19-1 all-time opening game record to tie for the best mark in the NFL. The Broncos are 9-11 all-time when starting the season on the road. The Broncos and Raiders will meet in the regular season opener for the eighth time in the team's histories, with Denver owning a 5-2 record when opening the year against its AFC West rival. Solid. Those are some solid stats. I like that. The 28th consecutive year. That's, you know, it's funny because you kind of think about that. Who, who are the teams that they, they have to be multiple teams that they're tied with on that. So you got to figure who are the teams. It's, actually, that, it's just one. Is it really just one? What? Who is it? The Oakland Raiders from oh, 1970 to 1997. Wow. So now all they got to do is play uh, a Monday night game next year and boom, they've, They've broken the Raiders record. Another thing, they're better than the Raiders. What's interesting is the third team on the list is the Green Bay Packers, and it's 27 consecutive seasons, and it started in 1993 to the present. So as long as Denver can, continues to play on Monday Night Football, Green Bay will not be able to hold that record. 
Well, see, that's another reason that you want them to stay relevant so they can keep getting these Monday night games. I think it helps that they have a rivalry like Broncos Raiders play on Monday night to open the season, which is probably why they – I mean, how many times have the Broncos and Raiders opened the season on Monday night? Just in recent memory, I would say it's probably in the last five years, maybe two or three times, maybe in the last ten years, maybe maybe four or five times. It feels like it's every year. Well, I'd, I'd have to go through and look. Well, I won't require you to do that now. You don't have to. But I'll I bet actually, it's a good number. Th- th- this is the first time that the Broncos and Raiders have opened on Monday Night Football. No. Because they did those doubleheader games. Remember a few years ago they did the doubleheader games and they had like Mike and Mike call the game or something like that? Because I'm looking at the Broncos versus the Raiders all time on Monday Night Football. Maybe I'm wrong. That's that's a distinct possibility. Maybe my my memory doesn't work. My my uh, the old man would tell you I have a terrible memory because I probably do. Now, <clears throat> in terms of the all time series, this will be the 118th time the Broncos and Raiders will meet. The Broncos' record in those games is 52 63 and two. They have a home record of 27 nine and two and an away record of 25. 34 and oh no ties oh come on that's probably better that they don't have any ties there's two ties two ties at home no i mean on the road no ties that's that was what i was talking about yeah the the zero ties on on the road that's okay that's all right ties are like kissing your sister from what i understand um the four teams ahead so i i mentioned that this is the 74th all-time monday night football appearance for the broncos Number one on that list is the Miami Dolphins with 85. The Dallas Cowboys are second with 82. And the San Francisco 49ers are third with 77. Wow, okay. Yeah, that actually sounds about right to me. Those would be uh, three teams that I would expect to have a lot of Monday night appearances. Um, Another team that I'm surprised that I don't see on that list is like the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a big draw. Um, who's another They're team? Fifth, actually, you say they, they've got to be top five, right? Um, maybe the Seahawks have been pretty good recently. I'm trying to think of another team that would be New England. Uh, just in in recent years, they probably have racked up several Monday night games. Hmm, who's sixth on the list? Let's see here. Give me a division. Actually, they only go to top five. Oh well, then don't worry about it. That's because the rest of them don't matter. Any other stats? What's interesting is I mentioned the 39-19-1 opening game record for the Broncos. They've actually they're actually eight and two in its last Denver is eight and two in its last ten season openers. And they've actually won their last seven openers, which were coincidentally all at home. Yeah, this is the first time in uh, eight years that the Broncos will open on the road. So that's pretty impressive. Um, and wasn't it – what was the 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 John Fox stat? He was the first uh, head coach for the Denver Broncos to lose his, uh, his opener. Is it his home opener? I can't remember. His home opener. It, it was actually his first game as the Broncos head coach, and it was against Oakland on September 4th, 2011, and they lost. And it's actually the first time the Broncos have opened on the road since 2010. Oof, that's a long time ago. And they lost to Jacksonville. 
I hate Jacksonville. You know how I feel about Jacksonville. I hate those guys. I hate Jacksonville. Very much I hate them. One last stat. All right. Von Miller is two sacks away from 100. Oh, he'd be Derek. Fourth, he'd be the fourth fastest player to 100 sacks. I think he's coming for you, Derek. I, I'm quite certain Derek Carr listens to this podcast, and I just want him to know that Von Miller's coming for him. I I think I not for nothing. I think you might get a two sack game out of Von Miller. That's that's just where I'm at right now. So do you have do you want to get into the the game? Do you want to do a game prediction? Why not? Let's do it. Yeah, let's see what happens here. Um all right, I'm gonna I'll start us off. I'll give you a score. I'll give you, you a winner. Bold prediction too. Ooh, bold pre- let's do bold predictions. You want to do bold predictions first? Sure, let's do it. All right, bold prediction. I'll go first. Uh, the Broncos end the game with six sacks. And like Von it. Miller, to add to that, has three of them. I like it. That's bold. So, this is an interesting dis- statistic that I've been holding on to. Oh, you see, I knew you were doing something sneaky there. So the first game that Peyton Manning played in the Denver Broncos was on September 9th, 2012. Joe Flacco's first game with the Denver Broncos is September 9th. I think Joe Flacco is going to throw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Ooh. I mean, get your get your fantasy stats. That's that's a that would be a heck of a game. What did you call it, elite? Um, I'm not touching that. He he's he's elite enough. I mean, I'd be fine with him being somewhat elite. That would be just fine. I like that prediction though, because if your prediction comes true and my prediction comes true, then the Broncos win by like forty. So I'd be fine with that. I, I like wins. Uh, and, and speaking of which, I'm going to go ahead and predict one. I think the Broncos win this game. I don't think they win by forty. But uh, my my score prediction for this game is thirty one to fourteen, Denver. That's weird. I'm going with thirty four seventeen Denver. I don't know what to tell you. I guess great minds think alike. I, I, I there, mean, there we go with the synchronized. Yeah. Thing we're, we're, well, you know what? I think because we've had such a long preseason. Uh, we've really been able to to get in, uh, into the same lane, so to speak, and just kind of go in the same direction. So, uh, yeah, we've you know we're swimming, we're swimming, we're synchronized swimming. There it is. Um, those are those are pretty simple. But let's let's look ahead to some of the season stuff. Do do we have any? Do you have any uh, season predictions you want to get into, um, or do you want to wait? We can do season because I I think this this is a good time to do it. I, I think the Broncos are, are going to go nine and seven with potential to go 10 and six. I, I think this defense, I think Vic Fangio is enough to get three wins. So I think nine and seven is, is a good number. And I think there's potential for it to be 10 and six. And I think they'll, they have the potential to compete for one of the AFC wildcard playoff spots. See, I'm very, I'm very close on that. I actually am predicting a ten and six season. Um, I think nine and seven is is fine. I think I'm predicting ten and six. I think this defense is good enough to drag this offense 
to eight wins. And I think the offense will show up for two wins. And that eight plus two is ten. And so I'm going ten and six. And and I think they do get the wild card. So I'm I'm predicting a playoff game for the Broncos. It'll be on the road. But once you get into the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. They do have a uh, Super Bowl MVP quarterback and a Super Bowl MVP outside linebacker, edge rusher. So uh, I feel pretty confident about that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I got halfway through that and started laughing at myself because of how stupid it sounded. But I'm still going with it. 10-6 and six for the Broncos this season. That is my prediction. And a playoff berth. Oh, look at that. Wild, it's a wild card, but it's a playoff berth nonetheless. Because cause why not? Um, all right. Let's see here. You want to do predictions for the AFC West, or should we hold off on that? Well, let's do it now. Let's this dive is a, this in. Is the time to do it. That's right. All right. So I'll go first. Kansas City wins the AFC West. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't enjoy it. It doesn't feel good to say it. I hate them very, very much. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. But I think Kansas City is your is your number one in the AFC West. And I think Denver is, is going to be second with the Chargers in third and the Raiders bringing up the rear. I agree with that. The only difference is I don't mind the Chiefs winning the AFC West because even if they finish top two, they'll still be one and done. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, they're, they're not going to win anything uh, because they – are horrible in the playoffs. That's the Andy Reid effect. Uh, I believe that's as long that's as called. long as they have the Kool Aid Man as the head coach, they ain't winning anything in the playoffs. Do you have a, a, a Super Bowl prediction? Oh boy, um, I think I'm going to go with the Saints in the NFC. I think they're going to be able to to regroup after that blown pass interference call against the Rams, which would have put them in the Super Bowl last season. Mm-hmm. And as much as it pains me to say it, because until you, as the old line from the nature boy, Ric Flair, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And until somebody beats the New England Patriots, the New England Patriots are the champ and will will be the AFC champs again in the AFC. Yeah, I um, I don't like it, but I think that if I'm, if I'm making my prediction right now, I think it is the New England Patriots who make it to the Super Bowl from the AFC. But I'm going to go a slightly different direction than you on the NFC. I'm I'm going with the Eagles. I think the Eagles return to form. I think Carson Wentz is uh, he's he's poised for a good year. I think that offense is going to be really good. And I actually am going to predict an Eagles Super Bowl victory over the New England Patriots. I, I can't believe I'm saying these words. It's it's driving me nuts. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it, but I am going to say it. And I'm going to predict that the New Orleans Saints will beat the New England Patriots and Drew Brees will be able to uh, to pull the the John Elway, the Peyton Manning, and call it a career with a Super Bowl win. I would take that. I'd take that every day and twice on Sunday, I suppose. In terms of the Patriots' offense, watch out for Josh Gordon because I think with him being in the mix and being back on the field – I, I think that you're going to see a Randy Moss effect with that New England Patriots offense, and I think Josh Gordon is going to be able to do what Randy Moss did with that offense, which is pretty scary when you consider that they still have Julian Edelman in the in the fold. Yeah, I, that that is an interesting way to look at that, and I, I think that that Josh Gordon, like so, as I'm 
I'll bring fantasy into it. As I'm going through my fantasy drafts, uh, one of the things that I, I noticed was Josh Gordon was going in like the eighth round, ninth round, tenth round. Josh Gordon's going to be a solid play in fantasy this year because he's going to be he's going to become Tom Tom Brady's favorite target. I just think that that's what's going to happen. And so that's that's one where I ended up missing out on him twice. I was getting ready to pick him and the guy in front of me picked him in two drafts. That happened to me twice this year before I just I couldn't believe it. I was like, "How is this possible that I waited too long on this?" But I did. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, all right, let's do let's do let's do some fun individual stuff uh, and go with uh, offensive. Let's. You want to start with the rookies, or you want to do do like veterans? Let's start off with MVP. All right. And then go down to offensive and defensive players and go that route. Okay. Uh, I think your MVP, I'll go first on MVP. I, th- I think your MVP is going to be Patrick Mahomes. I'm going with, I'm going with Drew Brees. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that either one of those are, are pretty good. I think Mahomes is just riding high on some stuff, and the, the media attention is going to be something that kind of helps keep his name in that mix, and then he just ends up winning it. They, they really are good on offense. You can't take that away from him. And even if he regresses a little bit, he's still going to be pretty – He's still going to be pretty good. And I think if Drew Brees is able to put up 40 touchdowns like he has over the course of his career and leads leads the Saints to the number one seed in the NFC, which I think he's going to do, given the fact that he's in his 40s now, I I, I think to me Drew Brees has the potential to, to put up another one of his ho-hum 40 touchdown, 500-yard, 5,000-yard seasons. So I, I – I'm not. No, oh, yeah. I'm not a Saints fan, but it'd be it would be fun to see Drew Brees able to do that and ride off into the sunset like we've seen twice now with John Elway and and Peyton Manning. Yeah, I mean, I'd prefer if it was Joe Flacco riding off into the sunset, but the but it's that's not. I mean, that's neither here nor there. It's over. It's over somewhere else. Um, yeah, those. Are, I think it's interesting. We have two sort of extremes there. You you have sort of the old quarterback winding down his career and then on on my side it's the young gun the guy who came in and blew up the league last year Uh, i think that's an interesting sort of we're not in sync there but we are in tune and i i would much prefer patrick mahomes win the mvp because that's just more regular season accolades that the chiefs can pile up all they want as long as their postseason trophy case remains empty (laughs) this is our regular season trophy case it's gigantic. This is our postseason trophy case. It's it's very small. We don't have the trophy named after our owner. <laughs> I like it. Um, all right, so offensive player of the year? I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, okay. I like that. That's a that's a really good one, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stay in Green Bay. I'm actually going to give you Devontae Adams. Ooh, I think a receiver. Yeah, he's been okay. So Devontae Adams has been the number one fantasy receiver the last two years, and I think that 
he's going to get some actual credit from the media because I think that's sort of what happens, right? Fantasy players who do well eventually become, uh, you know, sort of media darlings. And, and I think that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams together are going to put up huge numbers. And, and I think that Devontae Adams wins it. I know I'm probably wrong and it, it would be Aaron Rodgers in that scenario, but I'm going with Devontae Adams. You went off the cuff. Yes, I went off the cuff, which is always fun to do. Which is what I'm going to do with my offensive rookie of the year. But before we get to that, my defensive player of the year, I'm going with Vaughn Miller. Ooh, okay. I like that. I would be I would be ecstatic to see that. He's earned it, I think, more than a couple of times he's earned it and hasn't won it. Uh, I'm going with Bradley Chubb. I went to the other side of the football. I think that... Uh, I think this is his year. I think he's the one who ends up with the most sacks. I think he's the one who is the scariest of the two for opposing offenses for whatever reason. I think it's silly that that's the case, but I also think you're going to get double teams on Vaughn, which is going to open up Bradley Chubb, and he's just going to wreck games. If Shelby Harris and Mike Purcell are able to do what Malik Jackson did in 2015, that's what's going to open it up for Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb to have the seasons that we think they can have because you're not going to be able to double team Von Miller in that situation. And I just, and that leads into a, to a a bold prediction that I have for the season. And I think this is going to be incredibly bold. I think the Broncos are going to have a chance to eclipse the Chicago bears. Most sacks in a season set in 1984 was 72. Wow. I think if if Shelby Harris and Mike Purcell can get consistent pressure up the middle, the Broncos will push for that record. That would be incredible. I am uh, I'm going to piggyback on your um, on your sort of bold prediction. I think that the the amount of pressure that the defensive line and the edge rushers are going to create on quarterbacks is going to generate a ton of turnovers. And I think the Denver Broncos could, and I'm going to predict that they will break the record for most turnovers forced by a defense in the history of the NFL. I don't even know what the number is. I don't even know who holds the record. The Broncos will break it. That's That's how how confident I am in my bold prediction. I don't care what the number is. It's their record that just start, start creating the trophy that's fine. We that we'll take that one. <laughs> All right. Um, offensive rookie of the year. Let's do it. For me, I am going to go completely off the cuff. I'm letting you go first. By the way, I want to. I just want to say I'm letting him go first, even though I told him I wasn't going to. My offensive rookie of the year is going to be T.J. Hawkinson, oh, tight end for the Detroit Lions. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that and not what I thought you were going to say, which is great. And I actually hope that you're right because I just drafted T.J. Hawkinson in my fantasy football draft the other night. And uh, so, yeah, no, I'm I'm in on I'm in on T.J. Hawkinson. He's he's getting the targets. He's getting the yards. I'm I'm cool with that. I would rather be Noah Fant, but whatever. That's the that's fine. It's fine. We're all fine here. My offensive rookie of the year, David Montgomery, running back for the Bears. I think that, uh, you know, coming out of Iowa State, maybe little-known guy, you know, but uh, no more Josh Howard. Matt Nagy's offense is is 
one of those offenses that gets running backs the opportunity to make plays, and I think he can thrive in that. So I think he could be your offensive rookie of the year for sure. Uh, defensive rookie of the year, I am going to go first this time. I think you met Jordan Howard, by the way. What did I say? Josh Howard. Same guy, whatever. <laughs> is it this? It's not the same guy? All right, fine. Yeah, Jordan Howard is what I meant. Anyway, I'm going to leave it in. I'm leaving it in. That's fine. Uh, my defensive rookie of the year, Ed Oliver. I think if he had been there at 10, the Broncos draft him. And he wasn't, so they made the trade, and they end up with Noah Fant. But I think he was one of the guys that they wanted, and I think he is he has the opportunity to be a really good defensive player, a defensive tackle who can who can just wreck games, who can who can plug up the middle. I, I think he'll be good. I think he'll be really good for the Buffalo Bills. Their defense, I think, might be really good this year. And my defensive rookie of the year is going to piss off a lot of Broncos fans. Uh-oh. And it's going to make them wish they had Bush. Oh, no. I knew it. I knew you were going to do that. Devin Bush. Yeah. Bush. You know, it's interesting because John Elway does not value the inside linebacker. That is that is something that I have said over and over again, and I don't know why. But if he did, I, he would have drafted Devin Bush. I think you're right. Uh, Devin Bush has a lot of potential, and I think a lot of Bronco fans are going to be upset about that. I'm actually not one of them because I actually like the trade down to get Noah Fant. And I I obviously like what they were able to get with Dalton Reisner. As I think he is that franchise guard that everyone was talking about in the Bradley Chubb draft with Quentin Nelson. I think they got their franchise guard and Dalton Reisner. So I'm not one of those guys, but I, I just think that Broncos fans, when they see what Devin Bush does in Pittsburgh, they're not going to like that he's not in Denver. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.